Oh, it's time for another fantastic episode of The Timmy Gibson Show. I interviewed breath worker Laura Wolf, priestess. She is unbelievable. She is actually um, someone that I consider very dear to my heart. She helped me um, in a very difficult time in my life and really helped me to unpack a lot of things uh, from my life and in my uh, my journey and has helped me to live a more integrated conscious life um, yeah so listen without further ado uh, make sure to grab yourself some coffee or some wine or whiskey or water whatever it is that you like to drink and sit back and enjoy my interview with Laura Wolf. Hey, how are you, Laura? I'm great. How are you? Good. So it, it sounds nice and clear. I guess you have a good connection. That's good. I'm not, I'm trying to um, hear you better. Uh, am I coming in real soft? Yeah. Oh, you're because you're loud and clear. Is your volume up in your headphones? I know that's uh, a silly question, but that could yes. be, that could definitely be part of it. No, I'm hearing you better now. I just clicked in. Okay, good, good. I'd say uh-huh. sometimes it takes a second because your voice went from a little soft. Now it sounds great. Okay. Yeah. So, so excited to have you on my podcast. And Thank you for inviting me. This is going to be super fun, I think. Yeah. Well, yeah, I learned about you and, and uh, from Grant Wood, who I interviewed last week. He's a licensed therapist here in Kansas City and and, and awesome human being. Yes, he is. And he suggested that I do some breath work. And I said, well, what is breath work? And who do I, I don't even know anything about this. And voila, there's Laura Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell, so tell, tell all the listeners, what is it that you uh, do exactly? <laughs> Such a big question. <laughs> I Essentially, I am a priestess and I help people to transform whatever it is that they want to transform in their lives, whether that's in the realm of some healing of, you know, deep wounds in themselves from childhood events or adulthood events, or whether that's wanting transformation in their relationships or in their just self-identity about how they're showing up in the world and making some shifts into creating a life that is more of a true, authentic expression of who they really are and myriad other things. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. a transformation agent and breath work is one of the, the tools that I use along with lots of other things. Uh, embodiment sure. is a really, really important part of my work of helping people to really come home to their bodies and really have a a, like a loving integrative relationship with themselves and be all the way down in their bodies not just up in the top of our heads you know or or not just you know a lot of people are in their heads and their hearts but not really fully embodied down in their solar plexus and in their guts and their loins and their legs and so that's part of my passion is really helping people come home to our bodies because we can't 
fully create the lives that we want if we're only partway embodied, if we're only partway here in our bodies and partway here on the earth. Yeah. So that's yeah. sort of broad strokes about what I do. Sure. Well, I know that, that uh, you know, you worked with me for about six months and it was, it was life changing. It was extremely helpful and it really did help me to be more grounded, to live present to be aware, to be more conscious in my living. And so, you know, I mean, I've told you this before, but you know, it, it, you impacted my life greatly and, and uh, extremely thankful for you. Uh, hence the reason, well, thank you, you know, Timmy. yeah. Why yeah I, wanted to I mean, I, you. it's, it was a, it's been, it was a joy working with you and, you know, thank you for letting me do yeah. what I love. And, yeah, of yeah. course. So how, so how'd you get into this? That's a question I know I'm actually even a little curious about like what, so right. that is what you do, but how did you get into this? I mean, surely you didn't yeah. come out of the out of the womb thinking breath work. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I did come out of the womb as a priestess. I just didn't <laughs> know it until I was in my in my late twenties or early thirties. No, I came into it through trying to heal my own trauma. I grew up in a in a like very creative home, but also there was a lot of dysfunction going on, a lot of alcoholism. And my mom, bless her heart, she passed earlier this year, had a lot of her own struggles with depression and anxiety and, you know, self-esteem. And it was a, we, I grew up in a, in a professional theater family and it was, it was drama pretty much 24 seven at my house. And I, there was a lot of addiction. My mom was alcoholic. My brother became a drug addict by the time he was in his early teens. And then I went on and dated addicts all through my twenties and early thirties and created a lot of misery for myself by choosing that over and over again. And, um, eventually when I met my son's father in my early thirties, he was five years clean and sober. And I thought, hallelujah, you know, I've broken the, <laughs> broken the cycle. And he said to me early on, you know, sounds like you grew up in an alcoholic family. And if you're wanting to be hanging out with me, you should probably be going to Al-Anon. And, you know, Al-Anon is the the support group for the loved ones of alcoholics and addicts. And yeah. I was like, you're not drinking. There's no problem. Why would I do that? You know, right. like I didn't understand. And then two years later, as soon as our son was born, he started relapsing. Uh -oh. And I came home one night when our boy was about six months old and he was, his daddy was passed out on the living room floor when he was supposed to be taking care of the baby. And I was just terrified. I was so scared of like, oh my God, how am I going to raise a baby with an addict? And I got into Al-Anon at that time. And then about a year later that, so I started, you know, learning about my own dysfunction from having grown up in an alcoholic family and how I kept perpetuating that on myself and, you know, putting myself in unhealthy situations and about my own unhealthy codependent behaviors right and that that within a year or so led me to a shamanic 12-step meeting which was like finding my spiritual home for me at that time I, I just really resonated with the environment there and the the language the way that they talked about the 12 steps was very spiritually inclusive it wasn't just 
um, God with a capital H E, like right. the the um, the traditional twelve steps are written with with God referred to as as you know capital H E right right steps and in some of the literature and I had already had some background of. Um, I started studying goddess mythology in my early 20s, and I didn't really have a spiritual path at the point when I got into Al-Anon, but I knew that for me, God wasn't the big man in the sky. I knew right. that it was, you know, that that it was more per- expansive and pervasive than that. And so I sort of struggled a little bit with traditional recovery in my early years. And then when I found shamanic recovery, which was very focused at that time for me on healing my codependency, it was such a natural fit. It it just opened my heart. The language is very love-based in that, in that version of the 12 steps. Like one of the steps says, knowing that unconditional love was the healer, we made the decision to turn our life and our will over to the power of that healing love. And it just, it worked for me. And from that, that's how I found out about shamanic breath work. And the first time I did shamanic breath work, I got up off the floor afterwards and I knew I was just like, Oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. I just knew it in every part of my being that I had found my path. Yeah. So that's kind of how I realized. Yeah. I, you know, I was, I was not familiar with breath work. Um, I mean, I was familiar with, you know, deep breaths and, and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you ever did yoga, I mean, that, that's a little bit of a part of it. I just didn't realize the state, how it, your consciousness, or at least how I would express it, you can click, you know, correct me, but that just the, the, how it affected my consciousness, how it really, mm-hmm. uh, d- dug into deep places in my subconscious through breath work. It was amazing. There were some, there was just some deep wounds that I had from, from childhood and, and, and uh, some abandonment stuff that the breath work like took me there um, back to those places and allowed me to, to kind of fix that. It it was just, it was very in my, I don't know what else to say, except it was very out of the norm of what I was used to being raised very religious um, you know, you just pray to Jesus and Jesus will heal everything. And then, you know, here I am doing this deep breathing and all of a sudden I'm going back into my childhood. It was very fascinating. Yeah, it's very, very powerful. Our, our breath, I mean, really all of the ancient religions from around the world talk about how the breath is a life. Breath is, is prana. It's life force energy and it is the spirit, like the, the spirit and the breath are very intertwined with each other. And it's how we, how we access our own spirit is through the breath. Yeah. And we all have, like in America, particularly, I don't, you know, I haven't lived, I've traveled around different places in the world, but I haven't lived in other places in the world. But in America, particularly, Americans don't breathe very deeply at all. No. And we learn how to breathe from the adults that were around when we're babies and children. And so, I mean, we breathe just fine when we first come out of the womb, but we, we start to limit our breath by mimicking the people around us as we're growing up. And you can just see that in 
like in walking in like, this is kind of a little bit of a non sequitur, but I think it'll illustrate what I'm talking about. So until in my, uh, when I was in high school, I was in a really bad car wreck and I broke a bunch of things, including my right ankle. And in the recovery process of that, somehow I started sticking my right big toe up in the air as a way of kind of protecting that ankle when I would walk. I don't know why I did that, but you know, we're people are weird. And somehow right. my, <laughs> my right big toe started sticking up as a way to kind of gingerly walk on my right ankle. And only a few years ago, I worked with a chiropractor who helped me stop doing that and to really consciously, you know, keep my big toe on the ground as I'm walking. <laughs> There's been all kinds of great things that have happened in my spine because I'm not walking with my big toe stuck up all the time. And all my adult life, the ten, on my right tennis shoe, the top of it is poked out from my from my right big toe sticking up. Okay. My wow. son's right big toe sticks up and pops through the top of all of his tennis shoes because he learned how to walk from watching me. Right. I never told him to stick wow. his right toe up. I never even noticed that he was sticking his right toe up, but all of his right. tennis shoes are just like mine. And I've been talking with him about how to correct that. And, you know, so far, I don't think he's paying that much attention to me because he's 16 and, <laughs> But breathing is like that. We learn how to breathe. We condition our breathing based on, we just mimic. We don't even know we're doing it. We just mimic the people around us. So our breath in America is generally very, very shallow. And when we start to breathe deeper, it goes down into the bottom part of our lungs, the bottom part of our rib cage. And a lot of our feelings, a lot of our emotions get stuck down there in the center part of our body, which is part of why we don't want to breathe deeply because some part of us knows if I start breathing deeply, I'm going to start feeling all kinds of things that I don't want to feel. So let's just breathe up here at the top of the lungs. It's a lot easier, right? So that's part of what happens in breath work is you start breathing deeper and it starts activating and unwinding and releasing some of those deeper emotions that are stuck down there that we haven't been wanting to feel. And those emotions are there because of all the stuff that's happened in our lives that was hard and that, you know, painful or uncomfortable or traumatic. And we didn't really have the capacity or the skills or the knowledge of how to stay fully present with it at the time that it was happening. Right. So what human beings do when there's something difficult or painful or traumatic happening, we very few human, you have to kind of train to be able to stay totally present and embodied while something difficult is happening. So most people do two things. They disassociate a little bit or a lot, depending on how traumatic the situation is. And by disassociate, I mean, you just kind of float up and out of your body a little bit and, you know, not stay fully present. But at the same time, what we do is we store the event in our bodies as a, as like sort of a self-protection device as like, it's a way that the brain is trying to protect you from it ever happening again, because the brain thinks I need to store this and remember it so I can avoid this ever happening again. Cause if right. I don't remember this, then I'll walk into the same trap again and get hurt in the same way again. So we store it in our bodies and our cellular memory and our organs and our tissue. And then later when you're breathing and listening to some powerful music, 
you can access that, you know, like you were talking about stuff from your childhood that you may or may not have even known was in there. And you, you know, it kind of like unknots it from your body and lets it rise up to the surface and leave, leave your organs and your tissue. And, you know, like energetically, it allows it to, to get loose and get freed up. And it allows you also then to, especially, you know, if you're working with a teacher or somebody that can help you to do this, to bring love and healing to that part of you that got hurt or, or received a message of some kind, you know, of like, you're not good enough or you're bad or you'll never be good enough or you did it wrong or this is your fault or, you know, there's so many messages that we take on when we're little that are um, just kind of damaging to us. And we don't even realize they're stuck in our minds and our bodies and our psyches. So that's sort of how that happens. What you were talking about there about how you can heal things through breath work that you either didn't even know was in there or you did know it was in there and you've been talking about it in therapy for 10 years, but it hasn't really changed that much, you know, because, because it's stored in the body, it's stored bioenergetically. And a lot of us kind of, we know how screwed up we are, you know, we know what right. our issues are and we've been talking about it in therapy for a long time, but talking about things and understanding things doesn't necessarily heal it and resolve it and release it from your whole system. And that's what really helped me in, in that process. I mean, yeah, telling the story about your, your big toe, which is so uh-huh. funny, but th- th- that wasn't genetic. In other words, that wasn't something no. that you were born with. Therefore, your son then was born with it, too. This was uh-uh. this was a behavior that he was unconsciously witnessing yeah um and then it created that in his toe so i mean yeah that just makes so much sense that in a family dynamic though you as a mother you weren't being bad and grabbing his toe and and yanking it up and making him do that it was just this uh it was just the environment and so wow that gives me a lot of clarity even about my my own situation because i know that even in this journey you know my parents have felt like, um, I, you know, I'm blaming them for things. And I told them, uh, I said, guys, it's not, a, it's not about you. It's just, it was just the environment that I was in, yeah. uh, that, that things were, were picked up that it wasn't, you know, I'm not blaming you. It's not your fault. You, you guys are, it's, it's fine. <laughs> you know, this is, this is mm-hmm. about my, about my journey, but yes, I had been to counseling, like you'd said, and I had talked about certain things, but yeah, it wasn't until I did the breath work that it, that it almost like, like I was cleaning something the other day and, and uh, I got a toothbrush and I was really trying to get in there and I was like, man. And finally I had to uh, like really blow down in there really hard to, to loosen it up down in there to then be able to, to get <laughs> it out. Good, such a good metaphor. <laughs> yeah. And, and so it was the same thing with, with the breath work. I was I mean, if you had asked me about certain things, I, I could have given you a, a some, you know, I could have told you what I thought, mm-hmm. but the, the, in, in doing that breath work, it, it like it vibrated that stuff loose yes. to where it could really be talked about and cleaned out rather than just talking about it, but it stayed. <laughs> yes. It was, yeah. It, it, and then there's the whole is. aspect of breath work too, of like, you know, it opens up our lower chakras where a lot of that stuff gets stored in the body. 
but it also, it opens up our hearts and our third eye and our crown, all of our chakras to a greater experience of, of unconditional love of, of the love of source or the universe or the infinite or God or divine, you know, whatever anyone, whatever word works best for each person of how to relate to the divine, to great mystery. There's something about breathing so deeply like that. It opens up all of our cells. It opens up all of our chakras it gets our ego mind, our regular everyday thinking ego mind out of the way just enough that it allows in that connection with something greater than ourselves yeah. that, that is always there for us. It's, it's always there for us, but we're so busy in our everyday lives thinking about all the stuff we got to do or all the stuff we think we got to do, you know, and, and the, the challenges of our lives, there's just so many ways that our regular thinking mind is hyper-focused on the finite instead of the infinite. Yeah. And when we're focused on the finite, we can only create in finite ways it's very limiting. It creates lots of limitation for us. The more we focus our minds on the finite, which is people, places, and things, right. anything that's already created is finite. It's already incarnate. It's already matter. You know, it's already matter come into form. And sure. the more we focus our brain on that, the more limited and finite our creative capacity is. And yeah. when we do breath work, it opens us up, our minds, our bodies, our our cells, our spirit, all of our chakras to the infinite. And when we're open like that to the infinite, then the infinite can heal us, can pour love upon us. We can, you know, like create from infinite possibility can drop ideas into us that we never could have thought of when we were focused on the finite. Yeah. So it's, it's really beautiful in that capacity too, of how it connects us to our soul, which is infinite and to, you know, whatever other words you'd like to use for, for God, for a source, for the divine, the mystery. Yeah. You know, the, one of the things that I experienced personally was to exactly what you just said is I felt so much more connected to mm. not only the divine, because again, being raised very religious, I had a definition of what I, what the divine was at that point. Mm -hmm. And the more I kind of broke that box of this is exactly what God is or who he is or she is, this is exactly it. When I kind of got rid of the box uh, through the breath work, it was like, it was, I just was full of infinite possibilities and it was yes. just like the whole world opened up before me. And the, the number one thing that I've always kind of felt how I try to journey in life is follow peace. I tell people that all the time when you're trying to make a decision, what, what brings you peace? Like what mm -hmm. brings you peace? And mm -hmm. so for me in the breath work, peace just began to flood in yeah. as I, opened my heart and began to, to, uh, live more, you know, consciously and resolve some of these issues through breath work. Um, 
yeah, just like everything opened up my, my, I'm, I've always been pretty creative, but my creativeness, I guess, just expanded way beyond what it was before. Yeah, <laughs> it's yes. like, I'm way more creative, way more open, uh, and, and at peace. That's the thing. I'm at more peace today than I've ever been in my entire life. Mm. Uh, and it's, it's one of the, the blessings of the journey. And there's something you mentioned just a minute ago that, uh, that I had never really learned before, except through you, when, when I did the breath work through you, I had as a raise as a religious kind of a fundamental Christian, you know, we were always taught, you know, crucify the flesh and deny yourself and, and, mm -hmm. you know, pick up your cross. And it, it, it's that mentality was put in, you know, turn the other cheek. And if someone asks for one, give them two. And, and it's just this sacrificial life, which, it, 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 you know, that has its own whatever. But for me, I had learned to choke out a certain part of my life. And I remember in, in a session with you, you asked me, you know, what, let's, let's talk to this, you know, this party, you know, the, the devil on one shoulder and the, and God on the other, you know, that, mm -hmm. that whole scenario. And you said, well, let's, let's talk about that, you know, and, and, I, rather than choking that part of me out, you said, no, 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 don't choke him out. That's part of you. Let's love him. Let's, you know, nurture him. And all. that literally changed my life and, and helped to integrate all of me because I can't hate a part of me without really actually hating the whole. And yes. so by loving every part of me, even that ornery part, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I mean, we're all duality, right? I mean, there's always the light and the dark and the shadow. But the, when when I really began to love that Henri part of me, I have such a different and unique and special relationship with the Henri part of me. And and it's funny, the Henri part of me is not near as Henri, and he's not getting me into That's trouble. Right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I don't I know mean, if that makes sense. If it that makes perfect sense. That's how it works is that any part of ourselves that we're rejecting or labeling as bad and wrong, and we got to get rid of this part or stop, you know, gosh, why does this keep happening? I don't, I don't want to be this way, you know, then we're at war with ourselves. That's not peace. It's not possible first of all it's not possible to get rid of any part of yourself it's not possible to get rid of anything in all of creation nothing is ever destroyed it just you know energy just transforms and transforms and transforms and wholeness is like the entire universe is one great big whole something right i don't know what all it is exactly but it's some great big giant whole wholeness and wholeness cannot be divided. You cannot slice through the center of the universe and cut it in half. That is not possible. And this, and we are exactly like that. We are wholeness. You know, the, the every everyone. We live in a holographic universe. We know this from quantum physics. That, and what I mean by that is that every particle of our being holds a holographic image of everything else in the entire universe we are all we are all holographic everything in the universe is holographic we are, we are wholeness itself we cannot be divided from anyone or anything you know we even though 
in this country, Republicans and Democrats are pretty mad at each other right now. They are actually all part of each other. Part We are all part of each other. We are all intrinsically part of each other. And when we try to divide ourselves, it's not possible. And so it creates a bunch of angst and self-loathing and, you know, inner turmoil within ourselves. And because that part of you knows that it can't be getting gotten rid of, but that you're trying to get rid of it, it acts out in one way or another. It creates problems in our life in one way or another until we learn how to turn towards that part and listen to it and find out what it's upset about and what it, its true needs are and how to love it and nourish it and help it like, you know, come into an integrated, relaxed state within you. And that's what you're, you know, that's the work that you did. And that, you know, that part of you doesn't need to create mayhem anymore because you're not trying to get rid of it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I, I felt that that was probably one of the key elements um, in, in my particular journey that, that was most helpful. It, it, it was, mm-hmm. it was, and I'll never forget in one of our sessions, you were like, all right, let's let, I forget what we called it, Timmy, or let's let Timmy out of the cage. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, when we let him out and then, and then I began to interact with him, you know, in role playing in that, that session, mm-hmm. it was like, okay, he, he's not so bad. Yeah. He's just, he's just a wounded little guy. It's all good. Uh-huh. <laughs> And that's the thing about all of our, all of our shadow parts are mostly just wounded little guys and gals, you know, they're just younger parts. They're younger parts of us that got squelched either by our family or our religion or our school system or our culture. And they were some part of us that was not allowed to be expressed. And we got the message. If I expressed that part of me, I would not be loved. I would be completely cast out by my family or by my peers and so I'm not going to let that part of me express I'm going to push that down into the shadows and none of this is conscious it doesn't happen consciously again right. it's like my son didn't consciously think my mom sticks her big toe up so that must be the way to walk so I'm going to do that right. his body just <laughs> his body just saw me doing that and so he did it you know right. that's what happens with with these shadow parts is we just we intuitively understand what our family culture is and what our peer culture is and we reduce ourselves to try to fit in and be loved and accepted right so when you say conscious and we we talk about conscious and unconscious what mm-hmm. what is the difference between con- living consciously and living unconsciously mm-hmm. well let's see okay so so what we are conscious of in our daily thoughts and our daily lives is just a tiny little fragment of consciousness itself. And so let's, let's say um, there's lots of different ways we could talk about this, but consciousness itself is sort of like, like the vastness of awareness, awareness maybe is another word for consciousness, awareness, like the big consciousness, you know, the ultimate big consciousness is aware of everything always. It's aware, you know, like, like consciousness could be a word that people substitute for source or God or divine. It's like this ultimate awareness 
that is a is aware of absolutely everything that is unfolding at all times. There's nothing that it's not aware of. Right. So that's like the big, big, big picture consciousness. Okay. And then let's say the the collective unconscious, like all every thought that any, any human being has ever had exists as a thought form and as an energy form. And in all of that material, all of the thoughts and creativity and events and everything that's ever happened, the mythology and the characters and the stories and like, you know, everything that humans have ever thought up, that's all like the collective unconscious. It's all sort of stored on the cloud in a way, the collective unconscious of like every thought that's ever been thought by, by humanity all exists and we're only conscious of a very small fragment, we're meaning aware, we're only aware of a very small fragment of the collective consciousness or the collective unconsciousness, whichever way you want right. to look at it, at any one time, you know, because we have to focus and we can't be consciously aware of everything that's going on in the entire humanity or we'd be overwhelmed right? Right. because we're not, we're not the, um, enlightened yet, basically. What's the word? <laughs> So we focus, we focus our awareness on pretty much like first we focus our awareness on our environment and our family culture. And then we go to school, most of us, and we focus on what our teachers tell us to focus on and what our peers are focused on. And then we get out in the world and we focus on what our career tells us to focus on. And again, what our, our, you know, our social system, whether that's your friends and family or your church uh, you know, and now we have the internet. And so, you know, the internet's kind of like the collective unconscious, you know, it's like this right. massive collection of ev what everybody's thinking and doing. And so what we're aware of now is way bigger than it was 50 years ago or 20 years ago, even because of the internet, we're aware of what's going on all over the world. We're aware of even like um, minutia. Like TikTok, I was listening, I was in the car this morning, I was listening to them talk about TikTok and how um, that platform is mostly just about bubblegum entertainment. I've, I've never been on it. I don't know what the heck it is, but but it's very focused on funny and fun and light entertainment from around the world. And so, you know, today's youth that are on TikTok all the time, they're aware of youth all over the world, like youth all over the world are laughing about the same silly videos on TikTok. Right. So their awareness is much broader in some ways than ours was when we were kids. You know, we were outside playing. We didn't have, we didn't right. have all that stuff when we were kids. And so, um, but so even though we're only aware of a small slice of life in any given moment, because wholeness is, because we are connected to everything, because we are holographically, you know, integrated with everything, we are, a part of us is tapped into the collective unconscious. We have access to everything that ever happened or, you know, the, the whole like record of humanity. We have access to that. Some people call it the Akashic records. Some people call yeah, it the cloud. Some people call it the collective unconscious. So... Those are some like broad definitions of conscious and unconscious. And then I think maybe you asked me a more specific question about that. Do you remember what it was? Because I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Just how, how can, I think the goal is to live more consciously. So uh, what, 
are what are ways in which we can live more consciously, you know, more aware, uh-huh. be more present um, rather than, you know, living unconsciously in states of fear and anxiety and living out the trauma rather than living more consciously and being aware. Yeah. Okay. So I think, I think part of what you're talking about there is presence and presence is about being really, really here now in your own body and in the environment that you're in where you're not um, being pulled, pushed and pulled by the past, like your past wounding or your fear mm-hmm. of the future. And our minds are brilliant machines who are most of the time either consuming entertainment, you know, which is just sort of like a checkout mode, you know, like I, I can't deal with life. I'm going to just consume entertainment because it's easier or, um, or our minds are like recycling the past and projecting bad stuff into the future. That's, that's what our minds are busy doing a lot of the time until we learn how to disrupt that, whether that's through meditation or breath work or mindfulness practices, or just turning off all device, you know, making a commitment to turn off all devices for significant amounts of the day and not being, you know, because our psyches and our cells are very impressionable and we Mm -hmm. absorb our environment. We absorb what we are putting ourselves around, just like, you know, what you eat causes certain health outcomes in your body. It's the same thing, like what we consume in terms of media seriously impacts us at a cellular level. I cannot overstate how we are ultimately, each one of us is ultimately an energy field and energy affects energy. And so whatever vibrate, you know, whatever the quality of the energy that you are surrounding yourself with is going to be the quality of your life. Because There's no our, doubt. our cells yeah. are extremely impressionable. Our, our bodies are, ni- you know, 80, 75, 85% water. And water, you know, Dr. Emoto's um, experiments and lots of other scientists since then have shown that any body of water, no matter how small or how large, is impacted by its by environment, by thought alone. Like you can change the crystalline structure of water by um, the thoughts that you think towards the water. They've proven right. this multiple times. And we're water. We're 75, 85% right. water. So the thoughts that we're thinking and the information that we are surrounding ourselves with, the people that we're surrounding ourselves with, the even like the light bulbs, you know, like <laughs> fluorescent yeah. light bulbs are not good for human beings. Like the the quality of the energy that we're surrounding ourselves with creates the quality of our lives. And so consciousness is about choosing. It's about really being the architect of your life and really making, you know, it might take, it's a continually evolutionary process of, of becoming more conscious of choosing 
um, the environments that you're going to put yourself in and what environments you absolutely are not going to put yourself in and the, you know, the information that you're going to surround yourself with and the learning, really what it comes down to is learning how to observe your thoughts and observe your emotions and not be identified with either one of those and to be able to also then direct your thoughts and direct your emotions and not as an escapism hatch, not as an avoidance of, you know, it's sort of a combination of being able to feel everything without collapsing into your feeling to feel it all, to not identify with it, to not avoid any of it, but then also to consciously choose, okay, now what? Am I going to let my thoughts keep running down this rabbit hole of fear or am I going to redirect my thoughts to something that's more life-giving? Yes. One of the main things or one of the most, uh, uh, the biggest things that were a part of my journey is I got rid of my TV Mm. and I didn't have a, I didn't have a TV for seven months. That was probably the best seven months ever (laughs) and I wasn't a big like you know I wasn't a big like tv kind of watcher or whatever and I still to this day don't watch the news but anytime I I mean just to your point I have met many people who are just in adverse complete fear and then as I get to talk to them like oh my goodness well I mean if I spent four hours a day watching the news and watching media I would be feeling that same way. Very anxious, <laughs> very wound up, yes. very fearful, very distrustful. Yeah. 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 And there's no doubt. You're right. That's a great analogy. It's it, our bodies. We're the sum total of, of what we eat um, for, for the most part. And uh, I think that you can incorporate we're the sum total of, of what we eat, of our thoughts, of, of what we allow in through our eyes, in through our ears. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's extremely important in, in the journey of, of healing. It's like, I, I told a client this the other day, I said, it's like you, you're cleaning out your pool, but you keep dumping in buckets of dirt. Yeah. It's like, like you, you gotta do it. You gotta really commit yourself to cleaning up what's, what's dirtying the water mm-hmm. um, as, as much as possible, right? There's some things that you just cannot control. Uh, you know, if you work in a bad work environment, I mean, it just is what it is. I mean, unless you can quit your job and get something else. But at some point, you just got to be able to learn to handle what your environment is if you can't change it. Yeah. Um, and strengthen yourself. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. like weight resistance. You know, you lift more and more and then you look back and you go, wow, last year I couldn't lift this much. I can handle more weight now. Yeah. Physically. So we talk about, um, and I I heard this through, I can't remember where I heard this, but something about the first seven years of our life is when our, our personality, personality is, is downloaded. Is that, is that something that. uh, Yeah. I mean, I've definitely heard that developmentally too. And I don't know that I would say downloaded and I guess because I have an association of that phrase with my connection to source. So I would say, you know, it's like developed, it's conditioned. There's parts of us that, you know, anybody that's ever raised kids, two kids in the same household, and they're totally different. You know, there's part of us that's just naturally inherently who we are and that shines through. And it's so beautiful to see that in kids. And 
but then there's there we are also incredibly um, shaped and for we shape and form ourselves to what we think is going to keep keep love how am I going to be loved in this family system and it's not you know the frontal lobe isn't developed enough at that age for that to be a like a conscious thought that a child has what what do I need to do to be loved you know that's a child isn't thinking that they're just watching and learning and absorbing and changing and adjusting to try to keep love yeah Yeah. okay so a big a big question I think a lot of people that are that are listening I mean of course we're in the midst of uh, I guess a pandemic, you know, COVID-19 and, and just what's going on currently in, in the world right now is, is just fascinating. And what seems to be on the rise is, you know, anxiety, fear, uh, panic attacks, mm-hmm. uh, because of, of, of real issues, you know, real economic issues, real health issues. Um, but then, you know, there are others that of course are, are handling it in stride. What would you how would you speak to a person that's maybe listening to this podcast and, and they are riddled with fear and, and they're really mm-hmm. struggling? What, what are some things that they can do, um, you know, today, but also begin today to, to really start walking out of, of a place of, of fear and anxiety and threat? Mm-hmm. It's such a journey. And I just, my heart goes out to anyone who's experiencing a lot of anxiety. I struggled with anxiety enormously in my thirties and early forties. And it's been such a journey for me to, to transform that. And I've learned a lot of tools over a lot of time and I'm not like, I'm rarely anxious anymore, but I just have so much compassion for people who struggle with that. And these times that we are in are incredibly, um, rife with promoting, promoting, you know, activating anxiety. So I, I so understand that. And I would say the thing that, um, that I would encourage maybe newbies, people that are new to this kind of thing would be to seek out a mindfulness app or teacher um, that will help them. That that's mindfulness is all about becoming present because fear is pretty much all about the future. It's the fear that I'm not going to have enough. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to be hungry. I'm going to be homeless. I'm, our country's going to hell. Things are going to get really bad. You know, there's so many, but it's, it's all pretty much driven by fear of the future and mindfulness Mm -hmm. exercises help us to come into the present moment and to kind of expand and relax into the present moment and to start learning tools for how to calm and quiet the mind and the central nervous system. Meditation and mindfulness, I, I think, are what I would really recommend people that are new to this path that are struggling with anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Okay, so we're we're coming to the last uh, little bit of our mm-hmm. interview here. So uh, I have to ask one of the questions that I ask everyone I, I interview because of the government's recent release of UFO, uh, you know, admitting to <laughs> out of this world 
type stuff and it's just uh-huh. opened up such a, a such an opportunity for really for people to talk about the stuff that they've always maybe believed in and now you can talk about it really without judgment because <laughs> no one everybody's <laughs> talking about it and now when you say i believe in aliens no one bats an eye at, at all so i i feel pretty confident that most most everyone just loves talking about this so what do you think um I guess first, let's ask this. So what are, what's your thoughts on the government releasing, you know, this, this stuff about UFOs? Uh, and then the second part is then, of course, what's your thoughts on life outside of Earth? Uh-huh. Well, I think you know this about me, Timmy. I don't pay that much attention mm-hmm. to the news. So mm-hmm. I am aware that they have released that information. And it just, you know, I'm surprised it's taken this long to release that information. I think we've all known for a long time, you know, Roswell and Area 51 and all that. I mean, it's like, I don't think it's news to anyone in America that that the government has known about UFOs for a long time. And um, You mean the government has kept secrets from us? (laughs) No way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, I mean, that's not surprising. I don't think that's surprising to anyone, honestly. Um, I I think America's naivete, like that sort of belief that our government is pure and good and not <laughs> not corrupt and doesn't keep secrets. I think that ended with JFK's assassination. And yeah. you know, certainly in the last 20 years, I don't think Americans are naive about our government anymore like we used to be up until the 1960s. You know, that was sort of a shattering of you know, of the American psyche in a way. And it, and that shattering has only amplified in recent decades. So, you know, that I'm, I'm glad they've released that information. Not yes. surprised, right. <laughs> and for me, as far as, you know, life out beyond planet earth to me, like, of course there is, we live in an infinite universe. I talk to my students all the time when I'm trying to help people tap into the infinite nature of creative life force is just, for example, we, our scientists are aware of a hundred billion galaxies besides our own. That's just what they can sense with current technology, a hundred billion other galaxies. Like that's just like my mind cannot, that's mind boggling. I can't even imagine that much, you know, space and planets and stars and who knows what else. So of course there's other life out there. Like right, how could of course. we be so uh, narcissistic and, and stubborn to think that there's not life outside of earth. It's just nonsense. Of course there is yeah. because, because life itself, creative intelligence is infinite that's the thing is like even with with christianity how you know i know i i believe that they believe that their god is infinite you know so how how could how could this be the only planet with life on it it just doesn't make any sense right right yeah so when it comes to aliens so you and Uh i were having a little a little conversation before and, you know, and I was telling you just about all the, I don't know if you've read the book Magicians of the Gods by Graham Hancock. Ooh, uh, no, I have but, to find that. that ooh, good. Well, it's basically ancient history, ancient human history far exceeds what we've ever, what, what, we, what we consider history, right? 
that yes. say everything. Of course, in Christianity, it, the earth and everything 6,000 years old. Uh-huh. Um, of course, you know, uh, the other thoughts are the earth is 4.5 billion years old. The mm-hmm. universe is infinitely whatever. So right. in his book, he has discovered, uh, and it's, it's right now, there's a lot of pushback, but I think it might come through that the pyramids, the Sphinx, and all these things are way, 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 way more ancient than what is being said. Yes. And, and so, you know, humanity goes way, way back. Oh, yes. And uh, so, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of conspiracy around some of those things, but some of it, it's not conspiracy at all. And it makes perfect sense that aliens have, have been around for, for a long time and possibly have visited the earth in ancient times past. Yeah. Um, there, part of what you and I were talking about is there, there are a lot of ancient uh, esoteric spiritual traditions from many different places around the world who believe that this planet was seeded, that other other life forms that are of a more evolved consciousness and more involved intelligence from from other parts of, you know, maybe not this galaxy, but beyond this galaxy that came here and brought um, life here and and seeded this planet as a experiment. I don't know whether that is, you know, actually factually true or not, but I know that a, that a lot of um, cultures around the world have an ancient spiritual belief in that, that life came from elsewhere to here. And, um, and definitely with the pyramids, the pyramids have been carbon dated to be hundreds of thousands of years old. They're way, 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 way older than what the, you know, official story that the Egyptian government puts out about. Sure the pyramids themselves and part of the you know the ancient esoteric teachings that go along with that is that they were built by giant blue beings of light from other solar systems other star systems and uh, they were um, the pyramids like before they were tombs to the kings that they were energy vortexes and that they were used for um powerful ceremonies and you know they're very specifically aligned with certain stars to shine light in there at certain times of year and so yeah, yeah. I mean I yeah would... you know even you know it's funny with 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 the pyramids no one at this point at least and I've studied I've spent hundreds of hours of of watching video and archaeological stuff and, and scientific stuff and all that Still, this to this day, we don't know exactly how they did it. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, the, the the advanced technology, and not to mention that place, but uh, Godepli Tepe, which is another recent uh, uh, archaeological find that that predates um, even the pyramids, and it's mm-hmm. just and it, it, you know stuff that you can't we can't even duplicate there, there's stuff that we can't duplicate with our lasers and our computers and yeah. our satellites and all the stuff that we have. So, you know, the thought that this was, you know, people just out of the hunter gatherer phase and, the, right. and they're bouncing around beating their chest going ooh, 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 and putting stones <laughs> up like, like, no. <laughs> yeah. Stone, <laughs> that, Stonehenge, uh, <laughs> you know, there's stone, 
giant stone circles all over the Celtic lands that there's no way with the, um, you know, wheel and lever type technology that would have been available at the time that, you know, history supposedly says that those things were erected. It's just not possible with, you know, the technology that was available to, even to get the stones to where they currently are. And right. so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I've, I've definitely become uh very fascinated with that. I don't know why and what's in me. I've always enjoyed archaeological stuff and, mm -hmm. and, you know, the dinosaurs and, and just cataclysmic events and just all that stuff for, for whatever reason has fascinated me. Um, and the fact that you can kind of talk about it more openly now without, without judgment and, and with a lot of, uh, a lot of other conversations going on, it, it's been, it's been fun, you know, especially yeah. with the internet. Goodness gracious, you know, the, the internet is like this necessary evil. On one hand, it's it's got you can find anything out about anything at any time within seconds. Um, right. And but then it's like it's complicated by this whole fake news thing and about how now it's really hard to know what's true you know and then, right. so then it brings in the whole question of the concept of truth of what does truth mean and how do, how does one know what is truth and what isn't and so it's like this incredible tool but it's also incredibly rife with um untruth truth and untruths yes. yes yeah the fact that anybody can say anything about anything mm -hmm. uh yeah you really do have to sift through and and i don't know how you determine truth, which I would like you to answer that. But for me, mm. you know, I kind of just read a bunch of different stuff and I kind of just see what, what makes the most sense or what resonates. But what yeah. about you with, with all those different thoughts on things, how do you kind of come up with, you know, this is, this is true for me? Yeah, I think I'm just breathing a little bit here and feeling into that. I, I think that's what I do is I, I feel for what feels resonant and nourishing and in alignment for me. Uh, and, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't spend a lot of time on the internet outside of sessions, you know, like I do a lot of sessions on sure. Zoom, but I, I don't like when I'm not on the internet for my work, I'm in nature. I'm either yeah. I'm either in my house dancing or I'm in nature or I'm with my loved ones and then we're usually either in nature or dancing, you know. So right, right. I don't spend a lot of time in rabbit holes, I guess is what I'm sure, sure, saying. Sure. And so I don't have to um sort all of that out all that often now sometimes i'll you know i'll decide i want to research something and i'll start reading articles and so then i'm looking at you know what is the source of this information and what is the accreditation behind it and right. is this somebody's opinion or you know but still ultimately i feel for what what feels harmonious and integrative and holistic and resonant and you know, in alignment for who I am and what I'm up to in the world. Yeah. I like that. That's, that's, yeah, that's, that resonates with, with me just, um, you know, when I read a book, you know, I'm reading a book, I just finished uh, the new earth by Eckhart Tolle mm -hmm. and 
you know, just in certain things really resonated with me and certain things I was like, ah, you know, I don't know, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and you just kind of, kind of just feel it out. And, but I like how, what the end result is. If something brings me peace, uh, I tend to like that. Um, and if it, if it brings, um, if it doesn't bring peace, uh, unless it's directing me in a, in a right way, I just, I don't know, you know, I kind of, yeah, and, and it can be tricksy because, Peace is good. I love peace. And also sometimes in order to grow, we need to be confronted with the limitations of whatever story we're in and we need to get uncomfortable. And we, you know what I mean? It's not like, yes, like there's value to being confronted about our opinions and our feelings and our thoughts and, and getting ourselves into uncomfortable situations as long as we're using that then as a growth tool rather than as a way to contract in fear or as a way to numb out you know so it's that's what consciousness is to kind of circle back to the beginning of where we were that consciousness is a moment by moment by moment choosing how to direct our focus and our energy and our attention and for yeah. what purpose you know for what purpose is this is this a kind of uncomfortable that's good for me that that grows me that gets me out of my comfort zone you know am i seeking peace all the time as an avoidance of growth or as a cultivation of peace within myself it's it's a journey one one moment yeah. at a time and that's such that's so good because yeah my my when i worked with you for 6 months and during that journey it was extremely uncomfortable. <laughs> it was extremely uncomfortable. And it was, it was quite disruptive, but it was a necessary, it was a necessary discomfort, a necessary disruptive mm-hmm. uh, event for me. I, I almost, I, I've told people this before when I've talked about you or different people I've recommended. I've said, you know, it was like when your house needs to be remodeled. I mean, it looks decent enough, but you need to remodel it. And so you get in there and you start dim all the demo work and it gets really nasty and dusty <laughs> and uncomfortable. <laughs> but, but when you're all said and done, you know, when you get to the other side of it, it's like, Oh, uh-huh. you know, it's, it's beautiful and it's all remodeled and it's so fresh and clean and new. And, and that's really what my journey uh, over the last year has been is it, <laughs> yeah. it, it got nasty, <laughs> uh-huh. but but much, much reward, very rewarding at, at the end of the day and, and mm-hmm. much, uh, you know, just a great thing. Okay. So if people want to find you uh, yes. or connect with you in any way, how, how can they do that? LauraWolf.com. L-A-U-R-A-W-O-L-F. Just like the animal, LauraWolf.com. Okay. That's awesome. me. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, Laura, thank you so much for your time today. And um, I hope that you enjoy the rest of your uh the rest of your weekend. Thank you, Timmy. This was fun. I'm, I feel blessed and honored to be invited on your show. And I just so, I just love seeing all the ways that you're putting your message and your explorations of spirituality and consciousness out into the world. I feel like it's so needed and there are just like, especially right now, you know, I mean, it's always yeah. been needed, but people are lost and hurting and scared and struggling right now and i just thank you for being the light in the world that you are and for having the courage to just really be you and put yourself out there and and just like i trust that all kinds of people that 
that resonate are going to be finding you and, and, you know, being so grateful that you're putting this out in the world. Well, I really appreciate it. And I, I give you uh, lots of accolades for helping me be me. And so I, I thank you greatly and, and I really, really appreciate you. Well, right back at you, brother. Love you. All right. All right. Love you. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye.